Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Leah Lanier. Stacy Dunn, NH Trail Runner, the Ultra Running Company, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course you, yes you the listener. My guest on this episode of the Adventure Jogger is a young PhD student. He was born in in South Korea, moved to the United States. He is a PhD student at Harvard University. His name is Ajin Kim. Um, he has a very interesting story that brought him into the world of ultra marathons. The big discussion that we have, we talk about intermittent fasting, how we got into that, but also he recently did a zero calorie 100. A lot of controversy when it comes to zero calorie 100s. Um, we are not, I'm not recommending you do it. I would never want to do it in a million years, but why would someone want to do a 100 mile race on zero calories? What did he learn? You're going to find out on this episode of the Adventure Jogger featuring a young PhD student in fluid dynamics, which I had no idea what that was until we talk about it in the podcast. His name is Ajin Kim. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Ajin, you have one of the most unique stories of anyone I've talked to about what brought you into the world of ultra running. Um, I've heard, I've heard hundreds of stories and it usually has to do with born to run or those sort of things. Um, (laughs) your adventures in ultra running started when we got to go away a, a, a bit back here, started when you got really excited and into intermittent fasting. So let's start there. Ajin, people can't see you because, of course, it's audio. You are not a big man. You're not a person who needs to lose a lot of weight. But you got really worked up about intermittent fasting. Let's start there. How in the heck did someone who looks to be about 145 pounds get all wrapped up into the world of intermittent fasting? Well... Yeah, thank uh, thank you for such a very very uh, ex, you know very exciting I guess uh, opener, but I guess um, to answer that question I guess yeah I'm little uh, I'm a little bit sorry that uh, it's kind of quite get to more a little more serious side of mm-hmm. it because um, the reason that I really really got I mean I I think that I possess a quite more in like intriguing background than other people because a lot of people are you know, are like, oh yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've always had sports in my blood and, you know, I, you know, like before I was a runner, I was a football player and, you know, people, a lot of people have those kind of athletic background. And I guess it would be, it sounds quite interesting that I, I feel like I have a strong background in intermittent fasting, um, <laughs> in the, you know, in this ultra running, um, Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Let's just be, that is, a, you're right. So many people are like, well, I played basketball. I played soccer. I did this. 
And when I and when I was 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 researching you and 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 speaking with you before we started recording, I've never had anybody say like, you know what? It really all starts when I discovered the world of intermittent fasting. <laughs> Take us back. Like, how did you, because again, people can't see it, but you look to be about 130, 140 pounds. Intermittent fasting is something that most people who need to lose weight find. Because if people don't know, intermittent fasting is this idea, and, and I'll let you elaborate a little more, that you you fast for a certain period of time and you eat. So you, so you basically... Stop eating at 8 p.m., right? Let's say 8 p.m., no more eating. And then you you eat again at noon the next day. So you fast for, that would be a 16-hour fast with an eight-hour window to eat. And the, the theory behind that is that it's it's training your body to consume fat and to be more efficient in consuming fat. And some people go to the extremes of, 20 hour fasts, four minute or four hour eating windows, 22 hour fast, two hour eating windows. And some people will go for multiple days fast and then break that. Um, It is a very interesting world. And I know a lot of people will throw around, talk about energies and cleansing and that anytime someone says cleansing to me, I'm immediately suspicious. When I hear someone go, oh, it's very cleansing, I'm like, you're trying to sell me something that involves crystals, and I'm not sure I'm believing it. But there is some science backing this. But again, Ajin, at 130 pounds, how did you get wrapped up in the world of intermittent fasting? So... Well, when I, before I was an ultra runner, I, you know, I guess when I was in the intermittent fast, intermittent fasting back then, I guess I, I was more like 145, 150 pounds, you know, in case some people take the, these weights so seriously. Okay. Um, right. But right now I'm, I'm a little lighter. So I would say I'm kind of more like um, low 120s. Okay. But um, yeah, actually the reason I started doing intermittent fasting was because um so in 2019, my mom got diagnosed with uh, thyroid cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and as part of her treatment, um, um, you know, she was recommended by her doctor to start practicing intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, um, so that was a reason that she started doing it. Um, and for me, um, I didn't really know what the intermittent fasting was back then. and. When I heard about it, I started looking into it and I started finding that there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, it's very unfortunate because I think a lot of people, like, I think the thing that I find really sad with intermittent fasting is that a lot of people interpret intermittent fasting as just a as a way of losing body weight, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think even even with stuff like ketogenic diet or something like that, like a lot of people simply misunderstand it as, oh, that's how you lose your weight. Like um, that's kind of something that I find to be a very sad reality of how a lot of people uh, understand it. Um, But yeah, I guess going back to the question. So my mom started practicing it and my mom, you know, at, at first, you know, I figured it's, oh, there's a lot of health benefit to it. And second of all, you know, I think typically when when there is someone who is also doing it with you, mm-hmm. it also makes it easier for you to keep doing it. So, you know, I didn't want my mom to feel like that she was fighting the cancer by her, her. I mean, I guess by doing the intermittent fasting, I'm not like fighting the cancer together, but it's just that. You know, I know some, you know, there were days where she had a hard time, uh, you know, hard, hard time keeping all those, you know, fasting window and stuff like that. And, you know, by me doing it together, I thought, you know, it might help her to stay motivated and stuff like that. That makes that makes perfect sense, Ajahn. Your, your mom is dealing with cancer. Um, and so her doctor, when she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, I've never heard of a doctor recommending that. Not, now, I'm not an expert in cancer. I'm just saying this is new to me to hear a doctor recommending uh, intermittent fasting for someone dealing with cancer. What was their 
their reasoning behind it? What, what, what was the benefit that they saw in intermittent fasting when it comes to helping someone deal with thyroid cancer? Well, it's not, I think it's not really specific to thyroid cancer. The mm-hmm. thing is that uh, there are these, what was an, yeah, I forgot the exact word. Uh, you know, when you start doing intermittent fasting, it really helps with uh, killing these uh uh, I'm trying to think of that the word. We're getting sciency here. So it, it so it, it, it kills something, and apparently, we. I don't want to get too much into science here because we are not a science, health, and nutrition podcast. So we'll leave it at that. The doctor said there were some benefits. You decided to help your mom through this because your mom is, you know, she probably had never heard of this before, right? Doctor says to try this. She's having a hard time. You look into it. You do some research on it. And in solidarity solidarity with your mom, who's battling cancer, you intermittent fast with her. Um. Yeah, I mean, I was, well, I mean, essentially because I think a lot of times there were, I, I think after a certain time of mm-hmm. my life, um, I started kind of going not crazy but it's like if i find something that is good for health you know Mm -hmm. uh that that has some positive benefit to health i would often be uh in at least have some interest you know not necessarily do it but Mm -hmm. so you know when i learned about intermittent fasting i mean which i didn't know before um i was like wow this sounds interesting and So it's like, you know, it, it's like, okay, yeah, I want to help my mom stay motivated, motivated, but at the same time, I'm sure it's going to be good for my health too. So I was like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's good for me. And also it's good for me to help my mom, you know, yeah. stay motivated. So I was like, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really, really good. Um, so I started doing it and, and, and it's, it's interesting because um so in 2019 that's when i was it's when i graduated from college so Mm -hmm. around that age i think what was that i i think you know i think uh i'm not sure if you agree but a lot of people think that people in our age it's like um it's hard for people who are in early 20s to you know fight against those you know i guess that the temptations or uh, something like that, like in terms of like eating and stuff like that, which we often hear. Ajahn, are you saying that your generation is a bunch of weak-willed willy-nillies who can't say no to anything? Is that what you're trying to say? No, actually, I feel like like what I'm saying is actually going to create a lot of controversy. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get more. uh, Do you want to go with weak, weak willed? Do you want to go with weak willed willy ninny winnies? I think that's a that's a solid term. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to point this out. I, I am not a millennial. You are a millennial. I am in Gen X. Um, I've had to remind my daughter of that numerous times because she has okay boomered me. She said like, okay, boomer. And I'm like, first of all, I am not a boomer. I am Gen X. Your grandparents are boomers. But I just want everybody to know that it was not me, the Gen Xer, who called out the millennials for being weak-willed ninny-winnies. It was actually Ajahn who belongs to that generation. So... Start some controversy, uh, Ajahn. We live in a world of controversy. Um, this will get people on your on your Facebook profile. This will get people all excited. Why don't you wind some people up about a, 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 just a blanket statement about the the willpower of millennials? Well, I mean, I mean, I mean the reason I brought this up was like um, I think. It's like there is this, I guess, general, I don't know if the stereotype typical view that like people who are in early twenties when they see some like tasty like when they're younger and stuff like that and, and see some like uh 
some tasty food or something yeah. they you know i think people tend to think that uh younger people have harder time i guess like uh like um yeah younger like i guess like for example like if you're having those i guess i mean i was trying to use it in terms of, in the context of fasting but it's right. like i think generally people tend to believe that younger people have harder time you know uh I don't want to, I feel like I'm keep using wrong words, but like uh, being kind of like, because strict is not the word, but I'm uh, being kind of like following, following those fasting windows because Oh, because oh, they'll see it on like the internet and they'll see intermittent fasting on like social media and they'll go like, Ooh, let's give us a try. Cause so-and-so on TikTok is doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's partly true too. Yeah, the TikTok gets. Uh, <laughs> do you, Do you have a TikTok, Ajin? No, but I've always had a lot of people around me who, um, you know, who, who you know who, who tell me so much about uh, those TikToks. And- the 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 been the most Generation X thing that I tell my kids because they're like, Dad, you got to get TikTok, and I'll tell them I'll say I don't want TikTok because I don't need the Chinese government in my phone. And I don't want, you know, the 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 prime minister of China, the president of China, now, Wu Jinping, I do not want him looking at my stuff. And there's nothing in there that I, I'm embarrassed about. My phone's pretty, pretty docile. There's just a couple of things in there. I don't take like racy photos or anything, but I just don't need it. And the God honest truth is I don't need another social media in my life. So I, I, I I'm resisting that 100% we can be in solidarity in our resistance um, to TikTok. So yeah, intermittent fasting is very trendy and people are jumping on board with it. For you though, what benefits did you see from it? Because as I've mentioned, even at 150 pounds, Ajahn, you weren't large. So this wasn't a weight management tool for you. You were using this for something else. What benefits, and we're going to get to running in a minute, folks. Um, What benefits did you see as a person who didn't need to use it for weight management from the intermittent fasting. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I think um, because I was very, very consistently doing intermittent fasting, I think, um, I mean, I've tra- I've pra- I've been practicing, I guess, uh, many different forms of fasting. You know, it, you know, I think typically people do 16-8 fasting, right. which which was something I would do most days. And there are a couple times, I guess sometimes, I guess I'll be doing 20 hour fasting and there are times where I would do OMAD or something like that. But I think the biggest thing that I found with myself is, um, like, um, what was it that, that I really lo- I really could feel that there was a shift in my, um, uh, metabolism that, um, that I clearly felt more consistency in my energy level um, mm-hmm. that throughout the day. Um, it's interesting because I, I was, when I was doing just the fasting, I wasn't even like eating like a low carb or anything like that. I was still eating like, you know, I guess I was a high carb diet back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but then because I was very, very consistently practicing fasting, and I didn't really make much exception with the fasting window either. Um, yeah. but, um, but yeah, um, so I think because of my consistency with the fasting, I guess, um, I think that that really helped me with, uh, sh- changing my metabolism to burning more fat, um, rather than, uh, burning carb as a fuel mm-hmm. source. Um, I, I think I also have to say, because I was very, very consistent with the fasting, I think it made it very, made it more difficult for my mom to have a kind of a, uh, a cheat or exception day. Um, but, um, 
Oh, was this payback? Was this payback, Ajin, for all those years when you were a kid and she said, no ice cream, we've got that at home? You're like, oh, well, guess what? There's no cheat days, mom. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, the thing is that, um, the thing is that I think uh, later on, I guess once her cancer got a little bit, I guess better and, um, and, uh, and her chemotherapy and all that stuff, uh, was over, I think she uh she was no longer doing the uh fasting like uh as like as regularly anymore but um i mean i mean i have to say i'm extremely thankful for all the support that my my parents has given me so far um and um i mean i think um I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think, yeah, um, even though I was trying to do do a good thing for my mom yeah. by trying to do it together, I think it sometimes served as a uh, more painful time for my mom when, when she wanted to not do it, like when she wanted to give herself a treat or something, because it's like, it's it's like there are days like I mean I mean there's nothing wrong with giving yourself a treat day right like in terms right. of not doing fasting right but then it's like she wants to know whether I, I whether I'm also gonna go off the fasting or not and I'm like she uh, was I'm trying really, to tempt you. She was, yeah. yeah, she was like, oh, hey, Ajin, you know what? You've done a good job on this fasting, and so have I, and I think we deserve tomorrow to, to binge on ice cream. She was trying to tempt you. <laughs> maybe. I mean, she, yeah. I don't think she, she would say yes to that question, but um, it's okay. maybe. We'll answer for it. Um, how's your mom doing now? Is she Has, has she been uh, cured of the thyroid cancer? Oh, uh, yeah, she, she was cured of thyroid cancer, and... Uh, uh, her cancer hasn't, um, well, her thyroid cancer hasn't uh, come back, but she's had some other cancer after that. But right now she's doing better um, overall. So, I mean, I'm hoping that she's con- going to continue, uh, uh, you know, stay healthy. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I think, um, I think the thing is that uh, nowadays I don't really, I don't live it, I guess, we don't spend as much time together back uh, compared to when I was younger. Um, and I think maybe if she, if we spend our time together more, I guess, and, and also she also eats like together with me, I right. guess uh, maybe, um, okay. Maybe that will also help with, uh, her, yeah. you know, doing healthier habits again or so. So you like don't that. live with your, with your mom anymore, but here's the real question. And I think most of you millennials will answer this the same way. You don't live with mom anymore, but are you still on mom's phone plan? Oh, uh, no. What? Uh, I'm not. Wow. So you're, you're, you're like, when you say phone plan, you're talking about like the like the, the cell, uh, cell service provider plan. Yes. Are you, does your mom still pay for your phone minutes? No. Well, actually, <laughs> there, there, there's a reason. There's a... <laughs> Actually, I'm the one who uh, who decided to uh, get out of the family plan because it was clear that uh, okay, I'm not gonna say whether it was my dad or my mom, but as I got older, there were times where my parents would send me a message and and I wouldn't reply right away, yeah. and then um, there were there were times where, where my parents were trying to track my cell phone activity uh, <laughs> your Verizon and I was uh I I was like uh I should probably not do that. Oh by the way, this is my very first podcast report and maybe I shouldn't tell my friends about this podcast recording. So you decide, listen, I'd love to stay on mom and dad's plan, but they're tracking me and they're seeing what I'm looking at on the phone. I need to get my own phone plan. That was really your first step of independence was saying, no, mom, I don't want your unlimited plan for $25 a month. I'm going to go get my own unlimited plan for $49 a month. Well, I mean, I guess you can say I was getting, um, that was my first step as a independence, <laughs> but you know, I, I have to say that, 
you know, I, I, I think unlike many other, many other people here, it's, it's also very true that I've had a lot more, uh, I've also received a lot more support from my parents than many other people, um, oh, including that. This No one's taken that seriously. Don't worry. Your parents are not going to disown you from the will because you made a joke about being on their phone plan on a podcast. And if they do, let me know, and we'll start a GoFundMe for you or or, or something like, along those lines. Now, you, you're at Harvard. What do you do at Harvard, Ajahn? So... Yeah, so uh, I'm a PhD student. Uh, I'm currently in uh, fifth year. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, to answer more uh, in, in more in detail, I'm in their uh, Earth and Planetary Science Department um, studying this uh, subject of fluid dynamics, uh, more like uh, turbulence theory and stuff like that. Uh, that's you're, kind of like what I study. You're going for your PhD in fluid dynamics at Harvard. That's correct. Wow. I don't even know what fluid dynamics is. What is, you can tell that I do not have a PhD in fluid dynamics from Harvard. Ajahn, we're going to get to running in a second. Before we get into running, what in the hell is fluid dynamics? So basically, in a simple uh, explanation, fluid dynamics is really just a movement of anything that is not a solid object so liquid uh gas or something like that um so the um basically uh the the type of things that i study are more like you know if you have a very chaotic movement of, of a fluid uh my work involves basically providing a fundamental understanding behind that uh what but mm. i guess what makes my work uh more um i guess i guess particularly i guess uh interesting is that a lot of my study is done in a system that it's actually in a rotating system so like if you see some some chaotic fluid movement over a rotating disk or Earth is also rotating and stuff like that. So, um, so basically, you can sit, you can think of like, you know, we, we see some chaotic fluid movement in a in some rotating system. That's kind of like what I uh, work on. Okay. So this okay. this this so oh, this oh. I'm echoing now. Now I can hear you. Okay. There we go. All right. We'll fix that here. Mark that in mark my, my notes. All right. So good. I can tie this in. I think I can tie fluid dynamics into ultra running and tell me if this is what you're talking about. So years ago, my, my really good friend, Travis, ran Leadville. Did a great, did a great job. Ran Leadville. At the turnaround, his stomach wasn't doing so well. And so he went into the porta potty and his stomach went south. And so he did what is called the trifecta. And the trifecta is he shit, pissed, and threw up at the same time. All three bodily fluids at the same time. Does that count as chaotic fluid movement, Ajahn? And is that something you could write a paper about to combine your love of ultra running? and fluid dynamics i guess so yes but, uh, <laughs> yeah but uh unfortunately I, I don't think i know enough about uh um yeah i don't think i know too much about the uh, trifecta to write uh <laughs> paper <laughs> I, I just can't wait for dr ajin kim and has just received his PhD in fluid dynamics, all based on his theory of the trifecta, the shit, piss, and puke at the same time. <laughs> you'd make you'd make a lot of headlines with that, Ajahn. That may be the way you want to go. That could be a that could be a book. I think every ultra runner would read that because it does seem like in the world of ultra running, we are all kind of obsessed with bodily fluids because it is so important i mean checking it helps us check our hydration levels 
and so on and so forth. So I hopefully have inspired you to do that. All of that, how the heck did you get into the world of ultra running, Ajin, from Harvard University PhD student in fluid dynamics in your fifth year, and the fact that you were so wrapped around the axle around um, intermittent fasting, how did you discover the world of ultra running? So I guess uh, before we get into that, I guess uh, going back to that book, I think um, if, if if that kind of book ends up being written, I think um, instead of having a trifecta being titled, I think I would love to have Leave It All Out There being titled instead. <laughs> Leaving It All Out There, A Study in Chaotic Fluid Movements. <laughs> <laughs> we just wrote your book guess what i'm gonna i'm gonna crown you right now way to go dr kim you've made it you've made it all right that was good that was a good one all right so <laughs> all right now now get into the seriousness all this tomfoolery put aside ajin how did you discover ultra running so the the way I discovered the ultra running, um, so the thing was that, um, I guess uh, when the pandemic started, I guess that's kind of uh, the COVID started. That's kind of when I started running, mm-hmm. um, because I, I was mostly doing something like a, a bike to the gym or something yeah. like that before. But then, um, when 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 COVID started, you know, all the gym closed and obviously those are you know bites and stuff like that it costs money and stuff like that so i was kind of looking for okay i want to stay healthy and i want to do some cardio yeah. uh while staying in budget obviously in when it comes to that i think obviously you know the running is like the cheapest thing you can i mean unless you're talking about like buying all those ex- expensive running shoes but right back then i wasn't really a serious runner um so I decided, so I started running back then. Um, so for about a year, I was running by myself because, um, you know, with COVID and stuff like that, almost everyone is doing their own thing. So after running by myself for almost a year, I, I kind of became a little, I guess, lonely and also didn't really want to run anymore because yeah. I was always running by myself. Um, so, and then, um, about a year after, I guess that's kind of when, um, when things started coming back in person. Yeah. So I started, uh, so when, when, when my work at at Harvard was starting to go back in person again, I went and talked to, uh, one of my coworker at the department who is a, uh, 219 marathoner. Wow. Actually, I think he no. Actually, he it's it's either two. It, I think it's two nineteen oh four or something. So he basically missed the Olympic trial qualification by four seconds or something. Wow! In, in, Dang, um, which, which is really really sad. Um, so yeah, I talked to him because I wanted to keep running, but I was I was not really having it. Um, so then what he told me was. Uh, he, he was a coach for one of the running club in 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 uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yeah. I, I think you may have heard of the Heartbreak Hill Running Club. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, I went to their group run because uh, he invited me to uh, come to one of uh, some of those uh, group runs. So I started running with those people, and it's interesting. I guess. Um, by going to those those group runs, I guess I, I started getting a lot of positive energies. I was like, oh, oh pe- people were telling me, oh, so you're not a runner, but considering that you don't have any back running background, you actually have a pretty, like, you run pretty good. So yeah. I was like, wow, really? And then everyone there is like, I think, I think I'm sure you'll agree that when people start going into those running clubs, what people, re- what you re- like, that what people realize is that a lot of people in those running club are talking about their racing plan and stuff like that, which I never had in my mind. Right. Um, so I was like, Oh, but, but, 
but this was a road running club. So I was like, oh, I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. I think that sounds really, really good. And so that I started actually training for a road marathon. Um, and I think I was pretty like horrible at making those e- like a easy runs easy. I think I never really, I have to say, I, I never got to learn how to run easy runs easy until I actually came to ultra running. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, in long story short, um, I was training for a sub 250 marathon back then. And then I, I got injured uh, with my Achilles and I had to take like two and a half months off from running. And that was like the period of my life. Oh, I guess not, not my life, but there was like a period in terms of like a fitness, which I hated in one of the period that I hated the most. Yeah. So when I got back into running after the two and a half month, um, I started thinking more about the, the form of running that I really liked, which was more like spending a lot of, I guess, like running for a long time Yeah. and thinking just uh enjoying the present moment and meditation the way i view the running is to me running i guess before running is a sport to me i think the biggest meaning to me is it's the the most powerful thing that a human being can do to live in the present moment um i think a lot of people might actually agree with that sentence and me being a PhD student, which, which is all, you know, which, which tends to make me get in my head a lot. Um, I think running was a very essential for me to, to really be able to spend a lot of time living in the present moment, not only when I'm running, but, but throughout the day when I'm also doing other tests. So when I got back into running after a two and a half month off, I started just focusing on what those running means to me more and kind of just uh, started running, uh, I guess, doing a lot of those nice and easy, I guess, long runs in, I guess, in terms of, I guess, other people's definitions. So almost every day I was just running several hours just thinking about meditation and living in the present moment for several, like several hours a day. And then interestingly that, um, yeah. Uh, what was that? I was able to do something like, Oh, I'll do 10 mile a day. So I started running 10 mile a day. And then a couple of weeks later, I started running 15 mile a day. And then I, I was running 15 mile a day for seven days a week. Yeah. And then, later on um i was running 140 miles a week so and and i and i was able to maintain and i felt very very healthy while i wasn't really going really really intensively so then i started looking into okay maybe instead of those fast and intensive races maybe something like running long but not necessarily at you know high intensity is something that suits better to me. So I started looking into what I can do. And then that's when I discovered what ultra marathon is. So then since I was running 140 miles a week, um, I was like, maybe I can just run a hundred miler. So I just signed up for this hundred miler called silver heels a 100 mile uh endurance run i don't know if you've heard of it yeah uh, that's a uh, sherpa john race that's out in colorado right it, it, it's in uh hprs uh yeah at the fair play Colorado. yeah yeah sherpa john is the rd there it's a great guy john Lacroix. oh john yes that's yeah that's right yeah and i'm sure that you know compared and i'm not this is not a slam on the fluid dynamics department but i am sure that the running community a little crazier than the fluid dynamics department at harvard university um actually i mean you know i i i I, i'm not gonna say just to harvard but there are like some people in science who 
who are also some um who are also crazy in um in, in terms of like taking everything so serious in like uh with their life and stuff like that so i think i've seen some um extreme serious people in, in both running <laughs> right well actually I feel well, like I, I might trigger some hater comment, but... <laughs> well, no, I think here, I'm just picturing you. And you sound like a person who gets really wrapped up in things. Like, you get really obsessed with things and you get, you know, you get your mind stuck on it. Kind of with the intermittent fasting was when you discovered that with your mom and the running. And I think it's probably what helps you, you know, get so far in school and to be a PhD candidate is your mind gets wrapped up in things and then you're analyzing all aspects of the things that you, your mind gets excited about. So your mind is excited about fluid dynamics. Your mind is excited about intermittent fasting. Your mind gets excited about running. And all of a sudden, you're trying to discover all the different facets and angles of it. And you become fascinated and almost obsessed in a good way with it. Yeah, I mean, I I think, um, yeah, uh, the way my, my parents describe is that if I, if I get if I get into something or if I get interested in something, I basically go all the way in it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it definitely has both positive benefits and also uh, negative benefits. Um, like for example, like for stuff that I don't care as much, I feel like I, I, I'm not caring, like I'm basically not caring at all, which can also trigger a lot of troubles. Right. So like, um, I don't know how to describe it, but I'm sure you know. Uh, yeah. What I'm. Your parents about. describe you as someone who gets really, you know, goes all in on things, except their phone plan. You're all out of their phone plan, and you've got your own now. That's true. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, yeah, perfectly so. So, you get into ultra running. You start running. How did that first hundred miler go? Uh, the Silver Heels. Well, so. I trained completely wrong. I was training, so I ran 140 miles on flat uh, every every week. And Silver Heels 100 was, it's a race with almost 20,000 feet of elevation gain. <laughs> That's not flat and, Cambridge, <laughs> right? You're in Cambridge, Massachusetts. You're about what, 10 feet above sea level, maybe a hundred. And then you go out to Fairplay, Colorado and get 20,000 feet of vertical gain, you must have had a lot of fluid dynamics and a lot of dynamic words to say to the mountains in Colorado, because that is quite a different a difference from your training ground in Cambridge to running out in Colorado. It sounds like it didn't go so well, Ajahn. Oh, it definitely, I mean, it definitely didn't go well. Uh, I, I barely, I, I barely was walking at the end, uh, at the end and after i guess after you know after finishing the race i i think um yeah i i felt like uh i was in serious trouble and you know you know it's 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 interesting i guess because you know from having zero race background i went to 100 mile race and there were moments during the race i think past mile 70 or something where i felt like Oh, is my body is even gonna be okay? Like if if I like get through this moment, like I you know because I've never been in those moments before, and I think typically like I guess you know for races like Silver Heels One Hundred, I, I I mean I think there are definitely people who who take Silver Heels One Hundred as like a, their first hundred miler, but yeah. I think people typically even those people would typically tend to have like. 50 miler or, or some other uh distance uh background before coming to that race and me going into that 100 mile race with zero race background there were like there were definitely a lot of moments where i was like oh if i get through this moment am i gonna is my health gonna be okay like right. that you know like there were a lot of many doubts that, that were just coming around my head um but yeah the race was definitely not uh what i was expecting it to be um but i learned a lot from that race um i have to say that i received a lot of support from the 
the volunteers and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, their, their aid station volunteers are really, really amazing. And, uh, I know that they were, they were really, really doing a lot of things for me to be able to cross that finish line, but yeah, that was a one heck of a race. Uh, I'll still remember that finish line or actually that last couple miles of that race. You know, it's funny because I think when I had about 10 miles to go, I, I started looking back on hard things I've done yeah. to be able to get through that moment. And the thing was that in, in like last three mile or two mile, you know, there were, if it almost felt like physically, I, I've ha I've never had any moment that felt more difficult back then. So then what I ended up doing was like, like, I guess before I got to that point, I was trying to compare to other, I, I was thinking of other hard things I've done, but then in that last couple mile, what I was doing was I just started crying and just walking. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I know that there, there's nothing, nothing else I, I've done that felt like this, this painful, but I, I but I just know I'm going to go to that finish line. So I was like, just, you, I was like, I, I'll let myself cry as much, much as I want, but I'm still going to walk to that finish line. So uh, that was something I still remember. Yeah. So basically you're saying the, the PhD student got a lesson. A lesson in pain and ultra running out at Silver Heels. Yeah, it was. You can't get that kind of learning in a book, that's for sure. Um, you you would do, continue to do some more races. I know you've done um, Bigfoot. You've also done a race called the Rio del Lago 100. But one of your adventures from last year that got a lot of attention uh, combined your two loves. Um, you got Mike, Mike McKnight, <clears throat> who is the low carb runner. Um, he made headlines during the pandemic when there was no races. He did a self-supported 100 miler with no calories. And you would swear he killed a cat live on TikTok. The way people reacted to what Mike did running that 100 miler with no calories, self-supported, it was so funny to read because people's reaction was it's interesting to see that that he could do something like that. And then other people got really bent out of shape about it. And he took a lot of heat for just trying to, you know, to see how far his body could go on no calories. You get inspired by Mike McKnight. You reach out to him, ask him to be like, hey, I need I got a great I got a crazy idea inspired by you, Mr. McKnight. So. You get him as your coach, and you decide, and last year you ran the Rocky Raccoon 100 in Texas on zero calories, inspired by Mr. McKnight. Yeah, uh, that that's correct. And I have to say, even, even in that Rocky Raccoon, um, I really, really have to say the Tejas trails, you know, definitely bring a lot of support to uh, to runners and and also for uh my uh my running challenge as well um i have to say it wouldn't have been possible without their support um uh every single one of their uh i guess a station uh volunteers were extremely helpful uh making it making it very convenient for me to uh get out of a station very very quickly and um and also have to be able to have no temptation uh you know, for those food and stuff like that and, and so on. So um, that was really, really an awesome part because I was a little bit concerned that there will be some low moments where where it's like the A station volunteer might offer me a food and then it's like I'm tired and then I might like not even notice it and then take food. And, you know, that was actually part of the concern because um, I didn't know how, how – how bad it's it was gonna be but then um it was actually a lot smoother than i was thinking um except for a couple moments i guess um the hardest part was uh was the uh staying i guess being able to keep moving and stay awake in those night miles um that was like the hardest thing um 
yeah, I, I guess um, I guess I should talk about uh, how the overall uh, this uh, zero cap hundred. Uh, yeah, yeah, you 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 made it through pretty. You know, you, you had a couple of moments you were, we were talking about before we started recording. Um, but yeah, how did it go for you? I, I know there was a moment of uh, of uh, of gross temptation that we talked about earlier. But yeah, walk us through. Give us the uh, the quick version of your zero calorie. 100 at Rocky Raccoon and how it went. Yeah, so I guess I'll do a little, I guess, uh, yeah, I'll try to make it short. So just a little overview. So Mike gave me a training plan and uh, interestingly that the training plan was basically doing all of my runs at the the tail end of my fasting window. And it's it's fun it's interesting because i think a lot of people are like oh if you're running every day at the tail end of your fasting window you you know it's like that sounds a lot of people think that sounds miserable or right. that sounds like oh it's 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 very painful because you're you're not going to feel as energetic but yeah. then the funny thing is that before i was a runner uh when i was when i was mostly a recruit i guess before i started racing when I was fasting and running, uh, when I was fasting a lot and, and not running as seriously, mm-hmm. I was basically running for over a year uh, every morning at the tail end of my fasting window. So when I got that training plan from Mike, that training plan, I, I felt like I was actually going back to what I was doing before. Yeah. I was like, wow. It just feels like what I've actually been doing. Yeah. Like, you know, in the beginning of this running journey. So I was like, and that whole training cycle was very, very smooth for me. So I felt like that, that this zero cal hundred was going to be pretty, pretty smooth. So that going to the race, I did feel like that, um, there is a good, uh, I did see that I was going to be able to, um, I was going to be able to do it, uh, I guess, uh, except there were some, um, except there were some, I guess, uh, on, I guess, on, I guess, I guess some difficulties that I could, that I couldn't really see beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was the night mile At, during the night. The hard part was that obviously it's cold and, and your body needs more energy to be able to create heat. And obviously during the night, I'm like 70 mile into the race. And, and the thing is that obviously my, my body is, is very, very deep in starvation mode. And the right. thing is that, um, basically, you know, my body is not having enough calorie to be able to, uh, to be able, you know, enough calorie to burn to create those heat in our body system i mean my my body can still uh, use you know fat to to burn energy but obviously like as you get deeper in your starvation mode with higher miles you know your metabolism is also slowing down and so on and you don't have a whole lot of fat to to burn anyway i mean you're not there's not a whole lot of pardon the phrase cushion for the pushing um when it comes to your body anyway so then you're not you're in a zero calorie state you were taking electrolytes like you were taking like salt and electrolytes but a zero calorie electrolyte mix is what you were using in your water bottle right so actually even this i have to uh because i don't want anyone to dispute what i did i have to say this um so even with the electrolyte i didn't take any of those commercial companies electrolytes yeah like commercial companies electrolytes the thing with those commercial companies electrolyte is that they put some of those sweeteners in regardless of whether it's an artificial one or a natural one like media all those sweeteners actually do carry some minimal calorie so what mike had me do was go on to go on to this uh website called the bulk supplements.com i don't know if you've heard of that one no i've bulk not been on bulk supplements.com i'll have to check it out i see um yeah so basically they sell you a pure potassium pure uh calcium 
um, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so I was basically taking those uh, pure potassium, pure magnesium, and pure calcium. And oh my God, when you taste these, they, you know, I, I felt like I, I was like an animal being used in a, uh, in those into those chemical experiment in a lab or something like that because the things that i was eat, <laughs> like consuming tasted like a, some some chemical stuff not like actual like yeah like the taste of these pure potassium powders are clearly different than those those commercial companies electrolyte which do have those sweeteners in it because obviously those commercial companies have to sell their product meaning that their their electrolytes has to right. taste good was there a so, moment at some point Ajin, where you were like i really wish i would have gone with the commercial brand sweeteners or electrolytes because these taste awful and i've got 28 hours of shoving this stuff down my throat um uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like there were some moments where where I was like, you know what, I'll be really thankful if I can even take those kinds of, uh, you know, commercial companies yeah. electrolytes because yeah. you know, like, at, at least in the mouth they taste better. But but actually, you know, there were there were a couple of things that I learned too because, for example. I think every single time I was going to a station, uh, when the weather got cold, yeah. um, I was craving those, uh, what do you call the, the warm water with, with the Himalayan salt. They taste, they were, they taste so good that, and, and actually one of the things that I realized is that, oh, I'm realizing that there's a lot of food that, that people like to eat not because the food is actually really like the food is actually tasting really good but but because of that that saltiness mm -hmm. in that warm yeah. liquid yeah. like um that's some of the things that i was learning from that and you know like i have to say that even though i was i was not able to consume any calories that you know at some point just being able to drink those warm like a warm water with salt in salt insight at the a station they tasted they did taste really really good i mean you know when, when i mean when you have nothing to eat i mean you know obviously you know stuff like that can taste oh yeah yeah so so thankful and you know to keep myself keep motivated i think there were a couple like some of the things that i was thinking about was each time i was getting close to the station, I was like, you know what? I'm excited. I'm going to be able to eat those warm water with salt inside. Um, I can't wait for that warm water and salt. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You did tell me. I was me. kind of laughing yeah. when, uh, when I was looking back on that experience like, a few days after my race was done. I was like, you know what? That was kind of funny. <laughs> right, right. Of all things to be craving. You did have near disaster when you were pulling out of an aid station you were running by another runner and that mm -hmm. runner had just apparently consumed a lot of oreos and, and he was still eating oreo he's, yeah he, he's still eating oreos and then he he belches oreos in your direction and you haven't had food in hours and all of a sudden you're having to inhale an oreo belch yeah, that, that's true. I think um, I think the fortunate thing was that um, back by then, I think I was like around like mile eighty or something. Yeah. So I, um, it was it was close enough to the end where <laughs> that didn't uh, get me too tempted. Uh, um, but I was like, you know what? Yeah, this sucks. But I'm you know, uh, let's just continue going. Were Were you concerned um, at all that? Possibly, did you have to Google, does Oreo belch contain any calories just to make sure it didn't throw off your 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 attempt? Well, I mean, I guess if some haters would say <laughs> some, some calories, I guess I, I, I guess I, you know, I can't, I guess I can't dispute it. Then. Right, right now people are going, I think Oreo belch must have calories in it. Quest denied. Go ahead and rescind that accomplishment. He had, he was fueled by Oreo Belch. Okay, so you finished this thing. 
What did, did you did you figure out your why? Like, why did you run a hundred miles on no calories? Yeah, so I wanted to do this because I really did want to see what my body can do without any external aid. Um, like, it's like obviously when you're running those hundred mile races, you know, you know, like you're. you're you know, and, and um, you know, when you're eating and stuff like that, you're you're having those fuels and stuff like that that are like a basically performance yeah. boosters and yeah. stuff like that. And I really wanted to see what my body can do when there is a no presence of any kind of performance booster. So I was like, I, I really want to see what my what my if my body can run hundred mile when there's no additional support, but but just my my feet and, and my body and I think I was it was very fascinating to see that I was able to do like my body could handle that hundred mile with no um, you know with with, with, with no uh, external aid mm-hmm. um, you know I, I think there were like some I guess now we can kind of laugh about it but I you know there were a lot of like uh, hating I guess hating comments on uh, on my challenge and. You know, people were putting those uh, eating disorder claims and stuff like that. Uh, that I was trying to, I was I was doing it for for some for my for some of my uh, to to cope with some of my eating disorder or something like that. But you know, um, yeah, really the biggest reason was I really wanted to go and see what my body can do without any external aid. And mm. yeah, what's interesting about that is through your exploring intermittent fasting because of your mom and her cancer treatment and wanting to support her, you were probably able to see things about what your body could do on less than you maybe wouldn't have seen. Had you not discovered the intermittent fasting because of your mom, you wouldn't have had your mind go in that direction of, okay, how much do I really need? Like, what, like, what does my body really require and I'm sure you went through some of those fasts where you were like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was able to go this long uh, without food, without causing any damage and that sort of thing. And, and the effects of that on the body. Um, and then to naturally to see like, OK, I like running. I remember doing this intermittent fasting thing with my mom when she was diagnosed with cancer. How far could the body go on zero calories? Could you just burn fat? for a hundred miles mike mcknight proved you could do that you proved it for yourself again and it's really interesting that i want to point out that ogin is not saying that everybody needs to run on no calories it was a natural progression of two passions of his that kind of combined through circumstance right um but it is interesting to, to to see how much do we really need and how far can the body go and how can the body adapt? Of course, you always want to make sure that in regular day-to-day life, you are giving your body the things it needs to, to, to be successful and to be healthy, right? But a challenge of a one race, much like Mike's race, uh, Mike's run, because it was a, it was a, a it was unsupported run that he did because there's no races going on when Mike did his, um, just an interesting challenge to see what is possible. Um, Ajahn, what was the first thing you ate after you finished your zero calorie 100? Oh, um, the very first thing I ate was, um, well, well, I, well, first of all, um, I had no appetite to eat right after a race. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people were thinking that, oh my God, you, you must have, you must have like binge eaten or something like that after yeah. a race. But no, I, right after a race, I actually had very low appetite to eat anything. Um, um, so yeah, I actually was not eating for almost, I didn't eat for like, like an hour. I, I was just kind of just resting in my car. And then, um, I have to say that I'm really, really, uh, I'm really, really into uh, almond. So I think the very first thing I ate was an almond. An almond? And then, so, Look at yeah. you. Oh, man, oh, man. An almond. Yeah, I was thinking you were going to say like a steak or a hamburger 
or you know something like, like a big going out and getting a big you know grand slam breakfast at denny's or something <laughs> um yeah i mean I, I guess i could have done that but um i'm actually someone who so even though mike was coaching me i mean i'm also a low carb athlete um yeah. like um the amount of i guess a like a rad meat and also the the food that that are i guess sources of like a saturated fat i try to moderate them so um i don't consume as much of those uh steak as 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 much as what other people think how much of those rad meat i eat because i guess being a mike's athlete that there's a lot of people who think that i would be consuming a lot of rad meat and stuff like that but i rather typically moderate the consumption of those uh rad meat and uh so you're you're kind of you're yeah, yeah you're, so you're not a red meat guy you know you, you like almonds mm-hmm. uh, uh maybe throw yourself a chocolate covered almond one of these days uh, i don't really eat chocolate covered almond but um i was eating almond and i think i was also eating um macadamia nut um mac- macadamia nut is yeah, yeah. really good because it's got a very very good omega-6 to omega um but yeah i mean i also do eat red meat i'm not saying i i avoid them because some people right. like to i don't know like take take my statement um way too extreme but yeah i i moderate red meat and i try to get a lot of my uh you know whole ion saturated omega whole ion saturated omega-3 fat from uh, sources like fish so i also had mackerel and salmon uh after a race um um yeah i think i had mackerel salmon some almond and then macadamia nut and then um i think i had i think i had some chicken breast later in the day and i think um yeah those are kind of food that i was eating um mackerel. later in the day and uh, and I mean, obviously i'm not really salmon after mackerel and sa- mackerel and salmon did you cook those please tell yeah. me that wasn't raw um well mackerel was, was a canned one because um i mean unfortunately when you're traveling mackerel is really hard to find like the wild cut one but the the salmon i actually did uh cook the salmon yeah so canned mackerel and salmon <laughs> that's a heck of a- almonds canned mackerels and salmon that is the meal of champions mm-hmm. ajin kim um, an interesting mind you have there, sir, and I can't wait to read your PhD book, leaving it all out there. <laughs> the cha- chaotic, <laughs> chaotic fluid movements of ultramarathons. Uh, best of luck to you and all your future endeavors, and thanks for coming on the Adventure Jogger. Wow.